Hello and welcome back to the Bug in a Rug podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And we would like to welcome you back to our show. Do, 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 do. Also, Cooper's on the table, so 50 points. 50 points to, to start us out. To start us out. Start off strong. And to follow that, I'd like to start with a cheer. Okay. So, you're going to say our time. I hate this. I want you to say, I want you to say our time, and then I'll follow it with a response. You got it. Our time. More time. Our time. More time. Our time. More time. Our time. More time. Okay, no more. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what more time means? That was, no. I have no idea. (laughs) You're really angry, and we just started. When I don't have to do the podcast episode, I want to be involved as little as possible. And you just involved me a lot. Well, Cooper wasn't going to play along, so... I don't know what Mar time is. Please explain it to me. So, Mar time is basically anything to do with uh, the sea or nautical Okay. Uh, things of this nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Mar time law. Oh, did you did you buy us a f- cheap cruise? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I would say coronaviruses, um, those amphibians that are on the land and the sea, water and land animals. Wait, what? <laughs> Coronavirus can get on cruise ships just as well as it can get on the land. It's an amphibious virus. Were you asking me if amphibian was what it was called, or were you? Oh, our time. More time. <laughs> now you're playing along. So, uh, more time law is something I want to talk to you a little bit about as a background for our episode. Okay. So, uh, not creepy, but maybe a little bit, but really not at all. Uh, Maritime law is basically the law of the sea, and it's a collection of laws that we have just agreed upon, the UN and the IMO, or International Maritime Organization, has just come together and has agreed to keep these laws up to date through the years. I don't know when they originally started, Um, but the idea is that um, the laws of the sea can't pertain to any one country. They have to be an international Inter sea because nobody really owns the water. The water, right? Except for Poseidon, but no one's asking his opinion. <laughs> Apparently, so until he comes back, till Atlantis reappears, we're stuck. What was oh King Neptune? That's the other. That's the other homie. <laughs> I was gonna say, what was Ariel's dad's name? King Neptune, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also the SpongeBob. Under the sea. Under the sea. Under Mm -hmm. the sea. So, maritime law can govern private maritime questions, disputes, or offenses over nautical matters. So, basically, anything that is bad that happens at sea, they refer to this law. Sure. These laws. In most developed countries, this is a separate code and independent jurisdiction from, like, individual country laws. And they're, like, have to keep it up to date. That's the other thing. Because Mm -hmm. otherwise, we'd be using the ones from back in the day. Right. Which always seems pretty self-explanatory. Where we were chasing pirates. Yes. Pirates break maritime law. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) 
so that that's just kind of a little bit of background so um you can understand we just jumped right into it right there just jumped right into it we didn't even get to talk about our shrek party that we had (laughs) (laughs) yeah guys we had a shrek party we had a shrek party that's what's really important here um we did have a shrek party caitlin's favorite movie one of her favorite movies is shrek 2 Mm -hmm. and so we uh, rented Shrek 1, 2, and 3 from Amazon Prime. I know there's a fourth one, guys. Don't at me. We just didn't have time. We didn't have time, and we made gingerbread cookies that look like... The gingerbread man. And Mongo. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that... Be we, Do you want to tell them about the... Do you want to tell them about the cookie cutters? Oh, I couldn't find an individual... Like gingerbread man shaped cookie cutter, so I did have to buy a pack of 101 cookie cutters. <laughs> Which just happened to have a small gingerbread man, a small gingerbread woman, a big gingerbread man, a big gingerbread woman. So it worked out. Amongst other things. Right, yeah, so it worked out. But that's what we did. We, we, we had a Shrek party to combat the boredom of the corona quarantine, and then we are going to talk about... Ships. Uh, you can't walk over top. Pirate ships. Wait, Cooper's sending me a message. He walked across my keyboard and he typed K L I. What could Pi- that mean? Clee. Pirate ships. Um, not really. Oh. Swerve. So we are we are talking. Are about- you, is this a hint that we're gonna have a Pirates of the Caribbean? That's going to be movie our next. marathon next? Yeah, it's going to be our next marathon. Okay, I'm ready. No, I kind of had the idea to talk about this originally when we were coming up with, up with podcast ideas, and then I forgot about it, and then when I discovered it again, I was mad at myself for not oh. having, like, talked about it. Sure. So, um, the reason that I also came up with a cheer for us... Mm-hmm. Our time! Our time! Is that I think that in order to encompass all of the Martime tales I would like to, it would take 30 more episodes. And we just can't do that right now. So, um, I want to start with telling you a tale or two that is of the nautical nature. Of the nautical persuasion. Of the I like that. We should incorporate in that into our cheer. Our time. Our time. Nautical persuasion. No, no. <laughs> no, the intro is our time. Our time. It's time for a tale of nautical persuasion. That's very good. I like that. Thank you. Um, but I think in the future, I'd like to do more of these. Okay. So, to start with, um, I'm going to give you a one. And we're going to see if it keeps you up at night or if you're still able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. Okay. Not much of a ship person, so I think I will be okay, but You just wanted to know if we could go on a cruise. No, I didn't. I never said I wanted to. I never said I wanted to. (laughs) I just thought that's what you're gifting me with. But instead I get the wonderful gift of a story. Isn't that the greatest gift of all? (laughs) So, gather around ye microphone for a tale as old as the sea. Just kidding, it's dating back to 1872. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as old as the sea. Not quite as old. So, we're going to start with uh, one of the the jingle jangles are out of hand tonight. The problem is we now have two cat collars with bells mm-hmm. rather than just one. Yeah, true. 
Oh, Ellie's come to join the party also. Surprise, everyone. Two cats. So, I'd like to start with the tale of the Mary Celeste. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Mary Celeste? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Ah, oh, boo. <laughs> so... I don't remember it, but I've... Whitney. You know a lot about the, this realm that's yeah. how we started this podcast of the nautical persuasion. Of the nautical persuasion. <laughs> so the Mary Celeste was a ship, obviously, and I couldn't find her exact dimensions, but we don't know a lot about ships anyway. Uh, but our story with the Mary 14 Celeste... 14 hands high. That's a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you do height or length? And why are you using hands, not hooves? Why would you... Wi- okay, because you're going to measure... a. By a horse by your hands. Why would you bring another horse over? You have feet, don't you? Yeah. So other people have feet. You're going to get another horse to come over and put their hooves up? Why would I measure a horse in my feet when that horse has hooves of its own? Your argument is invalid. Can I tell you about the Mary Celeste? Yeah, I'm waiting. That's what the long silence was for. (laughs) I thought it was just your disappointment. (laughs) So on November 7th, 1872 is when our story begins. Uh, the Mary Celeste had a captain by the name of Benjamin Spooner Briggs. Love the name. Benjamin Love Spooner it. Briggs. Yes. Captain Briggs, his wife Sarah, and their two-year-old daughter Sophia were about to set sail with seven crewmen from New York to Genoa, Italy. It was hmm. a Genoa. I always picture ships having like a lot more people. I don't think this ship But was if it wasn't huge. that big, yeah. That makes Although sense. Although I'm not sure. It, yeah. I don't think it could have been, right? I don't think I don't know. so. In the movies, you always see like 14 people on a but ship. But it did carry 1,701 barrels of alcohol. Oof. Okay. So I don't know. It's getting lit. Yo. So uh, this ship was supposed to go from New York to Italy. Right. And it should have arrived in one month. So from November 7th to around December 7th is the idea. Okay. So they set sail. Captain Briggs, Sarah, Sophia, and seven other crewmen. Um, On December 5th, 1872, another captain by the name of David Morehouse, who was the captain of a ship called Dia Gratia. D-E-I-G-R-A-T-I-A. Okay. So, uh, on December 5th, 1872, Captain Morehouse of the Dia Gratia saw the Mary Celeste drifting in the Atlantic Ocean. Hmm. Now, this was kind of weird, because it was supposed to... Already be there. Already be there. Yeah. In fact, Mary Celeste had left eight days before him and was supposed to be going in the same direction. Oh. But he went on board because he was like, well, this is weird. It shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. There must be something wrong. Completely empty. No people. No people? No people. So that's ten people that are just gone. What? The Captain Benjamin? Spooner Briggs. Spooner Briggs, his wife, his daughter, and then... Seven crewmen. All gone. Yeah. So uh, what was left were six months worth of food for a one-month journey. Okay. Six months worth of food? Listen, I don't know why. Huh. All the crew's belongings were there. Some resources said they even had a piano, so it was like a well-fitted ship. Like, there was right, nice like, things. Yeah. The 1,701 barrels of alcohol. Were all accounted for? Nine were empty. Nine were empty. Yes. Okay. And a ship log, which had a last entry at 5 a.m. on November 25th. Now, this is December 5th so... that it's been found. Found on December 5th, last 
log entry was from November 25th. So roughly 10, 11-ish days before. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they write in it every day, but usually... Probably, if it's a log. Ship write in it every day. Yeah. Now, there were some strange findings, as well as the things that were left on the ship. Mm-hmm. There was no lifeboat. The lifeboat was missing. They all left on the lifeboat? Without Possibly. taking anything? Without though? taking anything would be the suspicion. The floor uh, in the hall was covered in three feet of water. Which wasn't enough to flood the ship. Right. Because it was a bigger ship. Like, three foot of water was basically nothing. Yeah. And it wasn't taking on more water as they investigated. Huh. Okay. And one of the two pumps to pump water off the ship was disassembled. Was dis... Why? Why? I don't know. The boat was still seaworthy. It could still be sailed. In fact, uh, Captain Morehouse and his crewmen sailed the ship 800 miles to... G-I-B-R-A-L-T-A-R, Gribalator, which was a British court. I don't know if they operate maritime law, based on maritime Mm -hmm. law, but their job was to take the ship and say, okay, did the people who salvaged it, Captain Morehouse and the Dia Gratia, do they get paid Mm -hmm. for what was on the ship and delivering it Mm -hmm. and saving it? Mm -hmm. Or was there some foul play (gasps) that they're responsible for? Those dirty, dirty liars. We don't know. Those dirty, dirty liars. The person in charge of this hearing was Frederick Solly Flood. Later, in later parts, they said General Solly Flood, so I'm not exactly sure what his title was. Okay. Uh, but he suspected that there was foul play. Okay. So he drug this trial on for three months. Why did he think that? Gut feeling. Hmm. There's not really anything. It's just strange circumstances. Why right, right, right. It was just weird. be there. Yeah. Um, I didn't you, know if he had, like, thought... Anything specific was. But it was just all together just odd. Right. Like, usually these would just be like, oh, look at the ship. Okay. Do you get money or not? But he drug it on for three months. Right. He found no evidence of foul play Hmm. in the trial. Okay. Uh, But they must have still thought it was kind of suspicious because Dia Gracia crew was only awarded $7,666. And I just estimated this because it says they were only given one-sixth of the value of the ship, which was $46,000. Shoo. So, nice ship. they were only given, well, all that alcohol. Oh, yeah, if that counts into it. Yeah, true, yeah, true, so true. it's basically what they're, what it's carrying. And if they had a nice piano. Yeah. <laughs> but it's basically what what it's carrying yeah. is what you get paid for. And they didn't get $46,000. Yeah, they got seven, eight 8000-ish split between how many people. I don't know how big his crew was. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of different theories, ranging from pirates to mutiny to everybody just panicking about the water that came on board and them getting off. Some even suggested a water spout formed, like the little tornado in the water that could have scared them or pulled them off the ship. Okay. Um, Pulled them off the ship? Well, I don't know how they work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming it just sweeps you up in the air like (laughs) All ten people, not one of them was able to hold on. (laughs) They uh, didn't pass their dexterity saving (laughs) throws. Or even some suggested a sea quake, which is apparently an earthquake while you're at sea. Okay. So it's an earthquake under the water that causes the waves to be so bad that you're just... That they just... Got swept off. But the lifeboat was gone, too? Listen. I'm telling you what the theories were that I read about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with them. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do agree with. Okay. possibly happening. But we'll get there. So, most people would have probably just forgotten about the Mary Celeste if it weren't for a man by the name of Conan Doyle. 
who published J. Hapacook's Jepson's Statement. Okay. In 1884. Sure. Which was a short story that was printed in a magazine called Cornhill Magazine, where he basically said, I'm writing this story from the perspective of someone on the Mary Celeste. But, no. Hey. <laughs> hey. Still fiction. Now. In this book. Fiction's fake, right? F yes, and F. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, in this book, he said, I, my name is so-and-so. I remember the character's name. It's not important. And I caused a mutiny, and I killed the captain, and that's why the ship sank. And people are like, oh my god, there was a mutiny. The ship, the ship, like, not sank, but, like, everyone died or got taken away, and then it, that's what Where? happened. Where? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I understand that it doesn't. I'm telling you that this is what he wrote. And therefore, people are like, oh my gosh, we need to reinvestigate this. Okay. So, Mr. Solly Flood revisited the case and took more notes and wrote these down. He interviewed when? more people. 1884. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Which would have been... 12 years later? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So, Mr. Solly Flood was back on the case. Right. Man, he really was out to get him. Yeah. But he didn't really come up with much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the last you really hear about it, other than people gossiping, until 2002. Uh, okay. Now, a lady by the name of Anne, Someone wrote another book. <laughs> which was also fake. That from the perspective of a seagull that was flying by at the time. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, this is who did it. Uh, Anne McGregor is a lady who is known for making documentaries, such as The Hindenburg Disaster, Probable Cause. Okay. Which she made in 2001. And so she made the Mary Celeste Probable Disaster, cause. Probable Cause. <laughs> basically. I don't know if she ever actually put it together into a documentary. Oh. But this is basically the information that she dug up. Okay, sure, I sure, sure. About. In 2002? 2002. So Jeez, okay. Very long after. And she did this in a very interesting way. Which I find laughable, but like I said, we'll get there. Okay. So she started with what didn't happen. Sure. Okay. They didn't make it to Italy. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't make it to Italy. Are we on the right track? <laughs> um, she said there were no sea monsters or pirates. How does she know there's no pirates? The ship was intact and nothing was stolen. Pirates unless attacked the ship to steal it. Unless they were slave traders. People. Slave traders. I don't know. And that's why the lifeboat was gone, because they made everybody get on the lifeboat and boated over to their boat. I don't know how lifeboats work, and they hooked it to their boat. Just saying. Anyway, no sea monsters. I mean, how does she know? Okay, well, nothing was broken. Okay, go on. I'm reading you what Miss McGregor said. I agree with you. I'm just walking through it in my mind. Okay, I appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners do, too. (laughs) Mutiny, she thinks, did not happen. She said she interviewed the descendants of the people who were on the crew, and they think it was unlikely. (laughs) Winnie, oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, okay, mutiny doesn't really make sense to me either, because why would he kill the captain... And then what? Make everybody get in the lifeboat and like still not steal row anything? away. Yeah, like that doesn't. Wouldn't he just take over the ship? I don't think. It, but that's I. 
It doesn't make sense. It didn't happen. That's okay. What saying. Okay. But they're saying maybe they drank the nine barrels of alcohol, got drunk, and then were just like, let's kill the captain. Okay, yeah, but then, like, why? I don't know. Okay. They all, they decided all, to all walk the plank? Like, I don't. Okay, go mm-hmm. ahead. Go on. Now, two of the crew members were German. The brothers Volker and Boyle Lorenzen, which this is true. They were two German brothers. Okay. And, um... Their personal possessions were actually not on board. Oh. So, uh, in The Mystery of the Mary Celeste, which I'm not sure if that's another book or a movie that was created. It depicts the story. And in this, there is a man who is created after these two brothers. So, inspiration was drawn from them. It's like a German person in this play or whatever. But they were real people. They were real people. But in this, The Mystery of the Mary Celeste... Mm -hmm. They say that this person, or these brothers, mutinied against the captain. And then just took their stuff and left? And took their stuff and left. Okay. However, a descendant of these brothers says, no, no, no. Volker and Boyle lost their gear in a shipwreck in 1872 prior to this voyage. Okay. So they just didn't have So they didn't have anything. Okay. Well, also, wouldn't the descendants, like, where would they have gone besides back to their families? Right, right. You know what I mean? So the Mm -hmm. descendants probably would have, Mm -hmm. unless they mutinied and then stole the little boat and went to go to an island and died, like. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Threw everybody overboard. Mm -hmm. And the descendants also say they had no motive to do that. Yeah. Like you said, they would have come Because they didn't take anything. Because if they didn't have anything, you'd think they would mutiny. And take stuff. And then take stuff. Right. Well, the only... The only um, evidence that they could have mutinied, they would have been the ones to mutiny, is that they didn't have stuff. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. have stuff because of the shipwreck. Right, before. so. So that doesn't make sense. Okay. Now, the most interesting theory to me is that um, there was an explosion that scared the captain into telling everyone to abandon ship. Okay. But, remember, there's no damage. So the theory goes... That but that one thing was taken apart, right? It was it was carefully taken apart. Oh, okay. So that that leads me to, to the other one. There's two theories that I I get. Okay. So the one is that there were nine barrels that were empty. Yeah. Those nine happened to be of red oak. Okay. Which is more porous than the other barrels, mm-hmm. which were white oak, mm-hmm. and therefore they leak easier. Okay. So there's a theory that these barrels leaked. And somehow there was an explosion. Okay. Caused the hatch to fly open and they saw this, like, burst of flame. Yeah. And they got scared and said, the ship's going to be on fire. We need to leave right now. Okay. Um, and they didn't think it was safe to return to the ship. Okay. So, uh, McGregor actually tested this theory. Are you going to get a drink right next to the microphone? <laughs> if you hear that, that's Ellie sniffing the microphone. Okay, here's my argument against that one, though, because I'm just going to argue against every single theory you pose. If there was an explosion, right, but nothing caught on fire, they still were afraid and got on the lifeboat? So, McGregor looked at this um, study done by Andrea Sella of the University College of London. Okay. Who built a model of this explosion, basically used... I think it was like a paper model because he was like, well, if this catches fire, basically we can then test it on yeah. wood. 
but he also used butane gas, which has a similar uh, flame flame point as mm-hmm. this alcohol. Okay. I'm guessing that's why he used it. Right. So he why he chose it? Ca- <laughs> why he chose it? <laughs> so uh, it says Andrea, but it kept saying him. So I'm going to say him. Okay. He caused an explosion of this alcohol, like lit it on fire. It blew up, and he said it caused, quote, a considerable blast in flame, but left no scorch marks or damage, and was more of a pressure explosion. Right. But it, when he felt it, it was cool air. Okay. So he, they think that if this was the case, the explosion happened, and it looked really bad, mm-hmm. and it scared them, and they're like, get off the boat. Right. Once they were off the boat, they couldn't get back on the boat. And then they, they got stuck. Was, and then they got stuck. Or yeah. they thought it was on fire, so they just, like, kept going. Hmm. Okay. Very quickly. Yeah. Um, one reason that this is argued against is because in the documents of the people who found the ship, yeah, uh, Captain Morrison, the hatch was closed. So all the alcohol was below the ship. Mm-hmm. And in order for this explosion to have happened, the hatch would have been blown open. Okay. Or they wouldn't have seen it because they're not down there. Yeah. Um, but it was closed when they found it. Okay. Two questions then. Where'd the water come from? We don't know. Possibly a storm. I mean, it stormed all the time. Yeah. And do you think that if it exploded, somebody could have quickly, like, closed the hatch to be like, oh, no, fire, close the hatch. I don't know. And then they all got in the lifeboat, but then they couldn't see if it was on fire or not mm-hmm. because they closed the hatch. Right. So that that's a possibility. Yeah. The theory that McGregor goes on to say she believes probably happened. Okay. Is the one I'm going to tell you about. And it's probably more probable. Okay. Probably more probable. Probably more probable. Got it. Okay. Yep. So when putting the pieces together, she discovered that the voyage before this, Mary Celeste had carried coal and then had had a bunch of construction done in between. So there's possible, there's a possibility. There's a possible. There's a possible that she chose to. (laughs) Yeah. There's a possibility that debris from the coal and the construction plugged up the water pumps. So Mm. when the ship started taking on water, the captain panicked because he took apart the pump and said, this isn't going to work. Right. Everybody get on lifeboats. Everybody go because if this keeps getting on water, we can't stop it. Yeah, but they don't know where the water came from. Right. And where it was was down beneath the ship. And he yeah. couldn't really assess how much water there was because of the cargo that was in that area. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know if it was three feet. He didn't know if mm-hmm. it was more. He was yeah. just like, okay, we just need to go. Yeah. Um, so he possibly made the order to abandon the ship when he realized the pumps didn't work and there mm-hmm. was water in the hole. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what she thinks happened. That's like as far as she got, but she can't prove it. Yeah. Because we weren't there. I don't know. It's just weird because... I understand him telling people to, like, abandon ship, but at the same time, I feel like if he would have just waited, like, two more minutes... Yeah. Like, it would have been fine. Which, it just makes it interesting, because none of the theories really make sense. Aliens. That's not one that they talked about, (laughs) but very possible. Interesting. Okay. Sure. people lured them into the sea. Yeah, sirens. Could be. Maybe. They didn't talk about that. Yeah. Now, she didn't say that's not what it was. <laughs> she didn't list that in the things that didn't happen. <laughs> Unless you count a person as a sea monster. No. 
They were talking like giant squid, though. Yeah. Kraken giant squid. Okay, I like it. So, that's all that I have for the investigation. Sure. Now, the Mary Celeste, who was still in good condition of sail, mm-hmm. made voyages up until 1885. Okay. Now, there was a new owner of the ship by then. This owner wrecked the boat off the coast of Haiti. Oh, gosh. In an attempt to commit insurance fraud. Well, no way! So that was the last voyage of the Mary Celeste. <laughs> oh, no, that's so sad! Oh, what a shady guy. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Aww. I don't know what the investigation for that was like, but... This is one of the great Martime mysteries. Yeah. Our time. Martime. It's time for a story of nautical persuasion. Good story. So, would you like to hear another one? If you want to tell another one. Boy, if you don't sit down. <laughs> it's been rough. Quarantine's been rough on the cats. Oh my goodness. You. A lot of pacing, a lot of throwing up. Yeah. So, uh, I would also like to tell you about another ghost ship. Martime nautical persuasion story. Martime. Martime. A tale of nautical persuasion. Yep, I like that. Good tagline. This ship was called the Carol A. Deering. Carol A. Deering. Yes. Why? I just thought of how they had that vote of what to name that vote, and everybody voted voting with boat face, and they said, nah, nah, nah. No, 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 no. no. We're going to name it after a real person. But that's what we voted for. Carol A. Deering. Yeah. Do you want to know why it was named that? I'm sure it was after a lady. Nope. False. Oh, it was after a man. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the Carol A. Deering was built in 1919 by the G.G. Deering Company. Okay. Partially owned by G.G. Deering. It was named after his grandfather. It was named after his son, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Listen, can you calm down? So, the G.G. Deering Company was the oldest active shipbuilding company in the U.S. at the time. And the Carol A. Deering was the last of about 100 boats that was built by this company. This ship was 255 feet long and 45 feet wide. We've talked about this before, but when you give me measurements, I have no idea. I picture nothing in my mind. I don't know what to relate that to. I don't, a ship. tall? We're about six feet tall. How tall is it? Minus one foot and multiply that by a lot. <laughs> how many of us you have to stock on top of each other to make the Carol A. Deering. Right, okay. It was about 2,000 hands long. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> um, 2,000 but... hands, 4,000 hooves. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, named after Carol Deering, no. Named after Carol G.G. Deering's son. Yep, got it. Now, a couple things about this ship that mean nothing to us, but might to ship people. There was an oak ceiling with planking of hard pine. There was also mahogany, empress, and ash woods for interior finishing. There was a bathroom with open plumbing, cabins with electricity, and all heated by steam. Ooh. The boat That's was... not really for boat people. That's more for woodworking people. Yeah, it said it was a wooden boat enthusiast's dream. Ooh. Okay. Sounds like a... Carpenter's dream. Yeah, Sounds like. Smelled of rich mahogany. Sounds like I'd like it. 
What is that, pine? It smells like pine. <laughs> the boat was christened by Mrs. Deering. I don't think Mrs. Carol Deering. I think Mrs. Gigi Deering. Yeah, okay. I That would make more sense. Why um, would he have I don't know. his daughter-in-law? Okay, yeah, I got you. But it's christened by her using a bouquet of roses. Now, you tell me how to christen a boat with a bouquet you of roses. You would just destroy the she roses. She doesn't just hit it. It was like she laid them down okay. as the boat sailed away. That's nice. Does that mean she, like, dropped petals into the water? Or? I just picture She's her probably smacking the, s- the side of the boat with the side of it, and she, like, maybe handed it to somebody on board. One wrong step, she's in the water, though. I think it's a big boat. This boat, so you know what, the general pirate ship, you know, like, picture it in your mind. Like Yeah, a, got it. Just picture a simple pirate ship. Okay, like the rides at a music park? Yes. But this one ha- was so big it had five masts. Whoa. Okay, there you go. There's the bigness. Okay. There's the reference for you. <laughs> 2,000 yeah, hands, Yeah, how would she masts. lay that down? How would she lay roses down on it as it went by? Did she throw them? I don't know. It didn't say. It just said she christened it with a bouquet of roses. Okay. Wait, but it doesn't have to, like, sail away right then, right? That's just in movies. It said as it sailed away. (laughs) Okay. Continue on. I don't understand. Let's not talk about this anymore. (laughs) Okay. I know it's confusing, but I wanted you to try and figure it out with me because I was confused. (laughs) So, uh, this boat, like we said, was built in 1919. We're going to now flash forward to August 1920. Oh, okay. So, it's still a baby. Still just a youngin'. And the boat was scheduled to pick up coal in Norfolk, Virginia, and take it to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Okay. And then return to Maine, where the boat was originally made, and that was its home. Okay. Home of the Deering Company. Got it. Yeah. The captain of the ship at that time and partial owner was William H. Merritt. And because he was partial owner, he decided he got to pick the first mate. And because he was partial owner, he decided, well, then I'm going to make the first mate my 29-year-old son. Because apparently you can do that. Nepotism. Neptunism? Ne- <laughs> Favoritism. I read I a thing once. <laughs> that... It was on Tumblr, so I can't give you um, a source. But they said that a captain can marry two crewmates. If the captain cannot... That's polygamy. If a captain cannot marry them because he's out of commission, the first mate can. And then if the captain and the first mate are getting married, the second... Second mate? (laughs) Second mate can marry them. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe that's part of our time law. I don't know. Seems, uh... Seems seems legit. Yeah, legit. Okay. Okay, so his son was the first... Yes. His right-hand man. Right-hand son. And then there were nine Scandinavians as crew members. That's it. That's it. Big boat. Only like I don't get this. I don't understand how many people it takes to cruise ships. So how do boats work? Like I don't. (laughs) You're asking the wrong person. Do we need to call Jack? I bet he knows. Maybe I'll text him and ask him. Continue with your story. So there were nine Scandinavians, but reportedly William Merritt would say later he didn't really like them. Okay. I don't think it was because they were Scandinavian. Did he hire them for cheap? 
I don't think it was his decision. Oh. But I don't He know. owned the boat. Partial owner. Oh. I think the crew was already chosen. Oh. So. That's the weird. boat set sail in late August of 1920 from Boston, I believe. And after a couple days, nope, Norfolk, Virginia just Yeah, came. I was like, <laughs> you said it left from Virginia. Just kidding. So it left from Norfolk, Virginia, and after a couple days, Captain Merritt got really, really sick, and they actually turned around and okay. dropped him off. Where? I don't remember. Okay, so they, it doesn't matter. No. So they turned around and dropped him and his son off because his son said, I had to take care of my dad. So this meant they had to hastily recruit a new captain and a new first mate. Oh, no. Oh, my. Okay. Enter 66-year-old <gasps> naval veteran, not Navy veteran, but nautical veteran W.B. Wormell. W-O-R-M-E-L-L. Let's go. And a new first mate, Charles B. McLellan. M-C-L-E-L-L-A-N. Okay. With this new Captain First Mate and nine Scandinavian crew, they were able to reach Rio de Janeiro on September 8th, 1920. So, so from August to September. A month, but you have to take away all that time they spent turning around. Turning around, yeah. yeah. What, what, 1920? Mm-hmm. Were there phones then? I don't know, but they have. Like, how did they recruit a new? I don't know. That's why I think they picked the 66 year old dude. They were just like, anyone been a captain before? Right. How about you? <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, did they post a note or something? I don't know. Okay, go ahead. It just says so that they, they reached, recruited him quickly. And they dropped off coal. At Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. Yep, that. Captain Wormel decided that he would let the boys take leave on land because he felt that the crew was very restless. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though it was only a month. Uh, he told his friend Captain Okay, Goodwin, you spend a month on a boat. We're about to spend a month in here. <laughs> we about to. Uh, so Captain Wormel actually told his friend, Captain Goodwin, that he met. He already knew him. Right. He met him again at this port. Yeah. That he really didn't like his first mate, McLellan. Okay. He said he is useless and a troublemaker. Uh, oh, whoa. <laughs> but they did speak that they liked Herbert Bates, who was the engineer, saying he was a good man and efficient. They both agreed on that. Okay, so the captain talked to this other dude who Another was not captain. on their boat. Correct. They were talking shit about the first mate. Yeah. Okay. Some tea was spilled. But the <laughs> And they were talking about how much they loved the engineer. Yeah, they said he's a good dude. Cool. I don't know why. Does that come up later? Because yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like... Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so, they began their return journey on December 2nd. So, they were there for a while. From September to December. Oh, boy. <laughs> the the cats, cats are getting restless. <laughs> Okay, so you no wonder he left him go on land. Why would he leave, keep him on the boat for... Well, I don't know why they waited so long, but they did. Uh, they stopped for supplies in Barbados in the Caribbean. Okay. At this time, McLellan got really drunk. He's the first mate, remember? Oof, okay. Got really drunk, and it says this is when he showed just how useless and as much of a troublemaker as he really was. Oh, no! He got drunk and started complaining about Captain Warmel to another captain of... Uh, I I think his name was Norton, or he was the captain of the Norton. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. Sure. And that first mate. 
and he said he would get him before they reached home. <gasps> no. So, he was arrested and jailed. Now, oh, yeah. I don't know if he was arrested and jailed for being drunk and disorderly, or if he was arrested and jailed for threatening I mean, to kill him. that's a threat, yeah. Oof, oof. Now. Now they have to find another first mate. No. So, oh. Captain Warmel was a really nice guy. Yeah. And even though he didn't like McLellan, he actually got him out of trouble and got him bailed out of jail. No. Mm-mm. If I was a captain, I'd be like, oh, well, you got yourself into this, then you know. Get yourself out. Come get me when you get back to the United States. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Come get me when you get back to Maine, good I sir. I don't know why, but he helped him get out of jail, and they set sail again on January 9th, 1921. January. Oh, jeez, this is a long trip. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the ship was spotted again on January 29th by a light ship at Cape Lookout, North Carolina. A light ship? I didn't know what this was, but basically it's a lighthouse that is placed in the water when the water is too deep to build a lighthouse. Okay. So, it's not on, like, an outcropping of land. It's, like, put in the water in a part where, for some reason, they need a lighthouse. I don't know why. Yeah, how do they need a lighthouse? That's what it said. Okay. That's when I looked it up. That's what it told me. Sure. So they're fairly close, though. North Carolina. Yeah. Making their way back uptown. To Maine. Yeah. Okay. So the captain of this light ship, his last name was Jacobson, and he reported that a crewman from the Carol A. Deering had hailed him and said, we lost our anchors. He, like, shouted to him. He got close to him. He said, we lost our anchors. You should report that to our... The GG Deering Company, but they didn't stop because they didn't have anchors. And they just like <laughs> kept floating. <laughs> what? How do you lose your anchors? Listen. <laughs> also, how many anchors did you have that you lost them all? I mean, they had a big ship. True. True. Uh, so Jacobson recorded this in a note. And he wrote that he didn't think it was the first mate who had signaled him. Okay. And he also mentioned that he saw the crew milling about on the deck, which was strange because they were in an area that crew members are not usually allowed on. It's like a captain-only, first mate-only area. Okay. I don't understand ships. But it was, like, huh. not an area that by the, It's in. by the wheel. Maybe. But there were several of them there. And he's like, this isn't... This is strange. Why are they just walking around the deck? Is there a murder most like, foul? I did not know. Um, so, he also noted that another ship passed by soon after them. I don't know how, like, long after. Okay. Um, and... And they said, hey, we picked up their anchors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was trying to hail them because he was, he can't really move. So he was trying to hail them and say, hey, you need to take this message yeah. to land and tell them okay. that the Carol A. Deering lost their Whew. anchors. Okay. Yeah. So he blew his whistle, which is how you Tutui. hail them. Tutui. And now this is why we, I talked about Martime Law. Because according to Maritime law, you have to respond to a whistle from a light ship or a lighthouse. Did they not respond? They didn't. They just kept going. Whoa. Nuh-uh. He also noted that he couldn't see the name of the vessel, which is really weird. Because usually they're very prominently placed on boats. Scratched it out. Don't know. It was some kind of a steamship and it just kept on going. Oh no, Whitney. Yeah. So jump forward to, this was January 29th. 
Okay. On January 31st. Wait, wait. Okay, so January 29th, just to recap quickly, mm-hmm. the Carol A. Deering came by this light ship in North Carolina. Yep. One of the crew members said, yo, 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 my dude, we don't have any anchors. We cannot stop. Please tell land that we're coming in hot. I don't even know. Well, it's like they still have their sails up. Like, they weren't trying to slow down. That's well, they got to get all the way to Maine. Yeah, but they if they can't don't have anchors, they should try and dock and, like, fix that problem. Are you mad? They'll figure it out in Maine. Uh, and anyway, anyway. <laughs> and so, but there were also crew members just grabbing the wheel when they weren't <laughs> supposed to. I want to turn to steer. <laughs> okay, cut to a couple minutes later, a steamship comes by. a couple hours. Couple hours later, a steamship comes by. Mm-hmm. The light ship goes yo yo yo, and the steamship goes <laughs> keeps just silence. <laughs> and keeps going by. Nothing. Yeah. No response, which is technically illegal, according to according to maritime, maritime law. law. Yes. Okay. Makes sense so far. Yep. Okay. So on January thirty first. The Carol A. Deering was found run aground along Diamond Shoals. Okay. Which is off the coast of Cape H-A-T-T-E-R-A-S Hatteras. Sure. North Carolina still. Okay. Which has many reefs. So they did try to stop. Mm. <laughs> they stopped. <laughs> it was run aground on like some reefs and standbars. Sure. In an area where it, a lot of ships can wreck. Okay. Um, treacherous, treacherous. Driving. Right. Treasure the driving. the area with the reefs and the sandbars, when it's stormy, you can't tell what's there. What's, how shallow see. it is. Right. Sure. Uh, the conditions and the weather were so bad that they actually couldn't get to the ship until February 4th. Whoa. So like four days later, five yeah. days later. Yeah. Okay. So on February 4th, when the Coast Guard was finally able to get to the ship, it was still in full sail. Didn't take the sails down. So they didn't try to, like, stop there. They just messed up. Okay. Uh, there was also no one on board. Yep. <laughs> there was food in the gallery as if it was being prepared for a meal. Okay. So it seemed that it, if there were people on board, they had abandoned it in a hurry. Okay. The lifeboats were gone. There were two, and they were both gone. As well as the log and navigation instruments and the chronometer, which is what they used to... Navigate. Maps. Yeah. Okay. So, these things were all gone. Lifeboats, navigation, and the ship's log. Okay, it makes sense if they messed up and had to get on a lifeboat and they were like, we gotta figure out where to go. Right. Sure. Now, there were also some strange things about... Interesting, though. You're supposed to take the log off the ship? I don't know. Hmm. It's like a black box in airplanes. You know what I mean? You don't jump with the black box? No, the black box, like, tells you, like, the recordings before, like, an airplane Is it crashed. built into the airplane? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I didn't know if it was, like, I have no idea. I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, but the log was gone. Interesting, okay. So, there were some, sub- there were some other interesting things going on on the ship when they found it. There were several pairs of boots in the captain's quarters, as if multiple people had been using the room. <laughs> Which kind of oh, points no. to the captain probably wasn't there. Or the captain had a lot of boyfriends. Hey, it's 66. <laughs> YOLO. He was also married, so. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, 
there were red lights that had been run up the mast as if they were signaling for help. Okay. No anchors. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a large map. Now, this map is usually on a ship used to track the route and movement of the ship. So okay. they can, like, kind of draw along. Yeah. Uh, it was all in Captain Wormel's writing until January 23rd. After January 23rd, it was someone else's writing. Uh-oh, SpaghettiO. Yeah. Okay. Although it was one other person, as far as I could figure out. Okay. So someone else seemed to have taken over. Yeah. That's it. That's what they found. Okay. Now... There are theories as to what happened to the. What crew. about the steamboat? No one, no one found it again. What? Yeah. So in this area, yeah. nine other ships have disappeared due to weather, or wrecked due to weather. Okay. Um, during that time. During this particular time, there was one in particular that would have been close enough that it was strange. Um, that they couldn't find it also. So there was a ship. But they couldn't find that ship or they couldn't find the crew? They couldn't find this other ship at all. Okay. So this other ship was the SS Hewitt, which carried sulfur and was supposedly closest to area and time that the Carol A. Deering would have wrecked. Okay. So they, it would have been like the next to pass. Right. But it hadn't been heard of since January 25th. Oof. Heard from. So that's the last time anyone had seen it or heard from it. Okay. Unless it could have been the steamer that passed by the light ship. We don't know. Yeah, but was it a steamboat? Uh, I believe they were all steam-powered in a way. Right, because you said the first one was steam. The heat was steam. Yeah. Okay. So that that's kind of a theory is that maybe this SS Hewitt. Yeah. Um, which also supposedly disappeared around the time, was the steamer. Yeah. Floated by. Mm-hmm. For some reason, ignored the light, light Yeah, ship. that's weird. We don't know why. But there's a possibility that they saw the signal from the Carol A. Deering. The lights. Were able to rescue the crew. Yeah. And then due to the weather, because there were hurricanes in the area at the time, or hurricane weather, it's possible that they were- that ship sank. Mm. And both crews were killed. Okay. Possible. That makes sense. That's so that, that's why they took all their stuff, because they're just like, oh, guys, hop on to this yeah. boat. Or they were rescued in lifeboats by the yeah. ship. Possibly. Okay, sure. So that's a theory. Another theory is clearly there was mutiny. The evidence for this is the handwriting change on the large map from Wormel on January yeah, 23rd. Yeah, because that else. happened before. Happened before they even passed the light ship. Right. There were boots in the quarters of the captain, which is strange. Right. They don't usually allow that. Multiple people from the crew on the deck where they weren't supposed to be. Now, the question is, okay, you're going to mutiny, but why are there no anchors? Yeah. Why would you mutiny and then cut the anchors? It doesn't make sense. True. Is there any reason ships lose their anchors? I don't know. Hmm. Um... More theories include that there were rum runners that could have attacked the ship. Okay. Uh, rum runners in this time were basically just liquor smugglers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to steal their. So possibly loot. that steamer that passed by was a full of liquor smugglers and trying to catch up to them or stalking them. They could have commandeered the ship because the hold was worth whatever was in this hold. I yeah. don't know exactly what it was, but it said 
It was worth $1 million easily. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I only saw that in one source, so I don't know if it's entirely true, but it, it was that much like liquor. Wow. So okay. So that, that points to there's a possibility people knew what was on right. the ship. And but they then they just took the people and the logbook and everything? So that, and that's the, the other thing that people are like, I don't think that would happen because this ship, the Carol Adirian, has five masts. It's yeah. a huge ship. It's very slow. Yeah. It's very easily identifiable. Yeah. It'd be a big risk for you to hit this ship. Yeah. Because people know what it looks like. Right. So some people think, well, maybe someone tried to commandeer it and t- try to take it over. Mm-hmm. And that's who was the crew when they passed the light ship. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And then they wrecked for some reason. And maybe they were from the steamer and the steamer was following them. Because they were part of the steamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know. See, that would make sense. And then they wrecked it to cover up the evidence? I don't know. I mean, or they wrecked it on accident. Don't know. Because they didn't, they probably didn't wreck it on purpose unless, I guess, well, was stuff stolen off of it? Uh, I don't know about what was in the whole... Because I, mean, I think that would make the difference, right? If stuff was yeah. stolen, then obviously someone probably... But if nothing was stolen, then they maybe <clears throat> they commandeered it, hit a spot of bad weather, mm-hmm. and then was like, oh shit, got in the lifeboats and went back to their boat. Other boat, yeah. I don't know, because I know personal belongings were gone, and like the navigation stuff was gone, and yeah. the lifeboats. I don't know about the cargo. Right. I actually couldn't find information yeah. really about the cargo they don't talk uh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's probably not that important. I think it could be the first one. There's that the also, steamboat tried to help, but then it wrecked. There's also a theory that it could have been pirates. Okay. Because there was a lot of pirates around this time. Yeah. And Captain Warmel's widow strongly believed that pirates were responsible. I don't know why she would know that. Okay. But she believed it. Sure. Well, the only weird thing is his handwriting changed. Mm-hmm. So it can't be that they just why hit would a spot care about the map? He was kind of old. Like, maybe he... Kicked it? Just, like, had a heart attack? I don't know. But you think they would have yelled that? Our captain died. We have no anchors. Which <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't but, know. like, if the captain died... When the first mate just take over? Yeah, but he's not the one who hailed the ship. He didn't hail the light ship, which well, is weird. Well, the first mate didn't take over because then he would have taken the captain's quarters. It mm-hmm. wouldn't have been multiple people. Mm-hmm. Those darn Scandinavians. Nope, that was the Mary Celeste. No. Nah. Nope, that was this one. <laughs> uh, now, I found a lot of this information in a couple different places about oh. the Carol A. Deering, but I also found it on a website that is related to information about Bermuda because some people think that the ship just went through the Bermuda Triangle somehow and everybody got sucked into a vortex everybody got sucked into a vortex sure. like I think water spouts work sure. <laughs> it was just gone hmm. but I don't know hmm. what I do know is uh, the wreckage in this area mm-hmm. became a hazard to other boats when the weather did clear and they tried to tow the boat, but they couldn't. And so on March 4th, 1921, they put blew diamond on it and blew it up. I knew it. I knew that's what was going to happen. They blew it up. The timber from the wreckage of the Carol A. Deering floated to nearby houses on that island. 
and uh, a lot of people there used some of the timber to build their homes and also there's a museum on this island of uh like stuff from it yep cool well not cool for like the crew but cool (laughs) but i mean let's talk about uh merritt william h merritt and his son who got sick oh yeah we were able to get off of this boat before it disappeared yeah but you never know because if he was if they were captain and first mate would whatever happened happened like if it was bad weather maybe but maybe not the mutiny but also like you never know because hmm, here's what happened okay tell me mutiny or the someone took over Right? Commandeered it. Captain's not going down without a fight. He's 66. What can he do? Can't really swing a punch, probably. So, he cuts the anchors. Mm. Right? You guys aren't... have this ship no No one can! can. (laughs) 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 Then, weather, bad weather comes. They're like, crap. We gotta go. But we can't leave any survivors because if they make it, they can identify us and the boat. So, got in the lifeboats, sailed back to their steamer, disappeared. Usual suspects. Yeah. Remember that movie? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. No survivors, no one left alive. Uh, I don't know. Bless you, Cooper. I... I want to make a pledge to you and our listeners that next time we record, I'm taking the collars off the cats. <laughs> <laughs> I like So there's no, although I think the jingle jangles in the background probably add suspense. Yeah, yeah, suspense. Music. So I'm not going to tell you about any more ghost ships tonight. Okay. I do have more <sighs> that I think I'll talk about at a later time. Sure. Um, Because there's so many. Yeah. I mean... I even started to, t- to look up things about the Flying Dutchman. <laughs> but honestly, oh, most of it is... Oh, little, This is a fictional ship that you see a lot about in movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a lot of what you get. But um, I hope to, you know, continue our... Our time. Our time. A tale of nautical persuasion. I hope to do more of this in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that... Okay, will this story keep me up at night? Yes and no. Ships don't bother me too much because, like, I'm never, I'm probably not going to sail. I'm not keen on the idea of cruises, right? So that part I'm not, (sighs) this scenario. But it's easy to avoid if you just don't get on a ship. (laughs) (laughs) But. It does keep me up at night because there's, I feel like, like, I want to know the statistics on mysterious disappearances on boats that are actually solved. Not many. Not many. Because no one's there. There's no cameras. Well, now there are. But there used to be no cameras. Pirates. People who just take over your ship. Do you think that Rose murdered Jack? Because he froze. But she pushed him into the water. We're going to have to get real honest. 
on this podcast right now. You hate the Titanic, or you haven't watched I've it. I've never watched the Titanic. I've watched it one time, and I hate it. Well, I've never watched the Titanic because I know what happens in the end, which the only thing I really know is that, like, he dies. Okay? Or does she kill him? That's what I'm asking you right Yes. Now. But that's my thing. Like, why would I watch it if I know it's going to be sad at the end? It's a classic. Yeah, it's also four and a half hours long. Yeah, it was pretty awful. <laughs> paint me like one of your French girls. Is that in that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she, like, gets naked and has him paint her. Right. Is, it a good, is he a good painter? I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> you know what I remember about the movie Titanic? Is that Britney Spears has it at the beginning of one of her songs. She's like, oh, you're right. Are you kidding? I thought that the old woman tossed it into the ocean at the end, talking about the necklace he gives her. That's from the Titanic? Mm-hmm. I just thought Brittany made that up. <laughs> you're giving Brittany a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. All right. Well, thank you for your stories. You're welcome. I like ghost ship stories. I would like to say one thing before we. And that's like why I think that this story will keep me up at night. This story will, it won't keep me up at night. It'll keep me off of cruise ships. Yeah. Basically, like you said. Yeah. I think that's the statement that I'm sticking with. This, our our time, our time, tales of nautical persuasion will not keep me up at night, but it will keep me off cruise ships. Yeah. And that is enough. For it to qualify as part of this podcast. Yeah. It's mystery. Mysterious circumstance. No, it's weird. I mi- ship disappearances <laughs> are always strange because there's always stuff that's like okay, but that makes zero sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You like had to be there. Yeah, I literally said to Kate. This is for the listeners. I said to Caitlin earlier tonight. She asked me if I was done with this story, and I said I could be. Or I could make it 70 episodes long. Because there's so much. And I had to take out parts just because. I had to take out a whole ship. Yeah. Because there's just we'll so much. we'll put it in later. And it's like a black hole of nautical nonsense. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I hope yeah. that it made sense. I, we don't know anything about boats. No. If you know stuff about boats, um, let us know. Tell us about, um, I almost said martial law. That's not right. Maritime law. Martial law is what's about to happen in the United States. Maritime law has been in effect for a long time. We're going to go back to the old days. Who wants, if you want to join our pirate crew, let us know. Are we going to pillage people? Places? Boats? We'd have to be on a boat to be pirates. Yeah. We just agreed we weren't getting on a boat. If it comes down to the end of the world, I think a boat's a good place to be. We do know how to fish. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to drive a boat, though. How hard can that be? <laughs> if you know anything about boats, let us know. What was the... Where was that story where it was like, I asked my dad if I could drive the boat, and he said, do you know how? And I said, yes. Then I wrecked the boat, because I knew how to drive the boat, but I didn't know how to park the boat. I don't know. <laughs> They didn't ask me if I knew how to park the boat. No, think. they didn't wreck it. They just, like, left it in the middle of the water. Right, right. <laughs> I don't remember if that was from another podcast or not, but that would be uh, me. That's funny. I feel like steering the boat would not be a problem. Yeah. 
It's starting, stopping, changing gears. Also, I don't think I have nine friends. If you were my first mate and I was the captain, which it wouldn't be that way because you'd be the captain, I'd be the first mate. I don't have nine friends in order to crew a boat. We don't need nine friends. How many people do you need to crew a boat? We need nine Scandinavian individuals. That, that worked out really well, didn't know it? They're doing. <laughs> Are you going to blame it on the Scandinavians? I say nay. Nay. <laughs> how, many, how many horses are we talking about now? <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you want to read more about these ships... We'll post our sources on our website. But don't read too much about other ships because I'm going to talk about them in further detail in later episodes. Or or pick some more ships and send them to Whitney as a recommendation. Yeah. If you know more about boats, please enlighten us. Yeah. If you want to be part of our pirate crew, let us know. Where can they let us know? Well, I was getting to that and then you interrupted. All of Whitney's sources will be on our website, (laughs) bugandarug.podbean.com. If you want to be a part of our pirate crew, let us know on our social media or our email. We'll give you a shout out. Why not? Holla at you. Unless you want to be part of the secret pirate crew, which is an entirely different pirate crew Mm -hmm. that will commandeer the first pirate crew. What? Wait, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) You can let us know at our social media. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at BIAR podcast. Facebook is just bugging a rug. And then our email is podcast at gmail.com. Just remember you can find us on Spotify and iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yep. And Podbean. Uh, you can just search Bug and a Rug on Podbean or our Podbean account is bugandarug.podbean.com. Yep. Uh, thanks for joining us for... Our time. Mar time. A tale of nautical persuasion. Signing off. (laughs) I'm Galen. I'm Whitney. Bye. Sleep tight.